I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us this early Monday morning. Hope everyone had a good weekend and enjoyed you some football. Had a lot of games that went on this Saturday in college football. A lot of upsets, so uh, we had that going on. Then we also had games in the NFL yesterday. Had some good matchups there, some high-quality team matchups. So got a couple games we're going to break down for you in those two venues. And then after that, we'll go into some political news. But i got a lot to go over today with these. So I'm going to go over two NFL games and then go over three of the biggest results from college football this past Saturday. And then, like I said, get into a little bit of politics. Got some some spending bills and some interesting stuff going on at Capitol Hill this week. And also, of course, the Biden administration. And they're trying to obviously shift the focus of the border crisis to to something else. And so we'll get, we'll get into that, that at the end of it. We're going to start off, though, with the NFL looking to a, two of their games. Going to go over. First game, we're going to look at the Buccaneers and the Rams. And then the second game, we're going to look at the Chargers and the Chiefs. So two, two of the... Uh, I mean, four of the better teams in the league, teams that definitely have Super Bowl aspirations, have definitely looked the part this year uh, for the most part. Or, well, three of that have definitely looked the part. I don't know about the Chiefs. They've looked pretty pretty, uh, pretty bad this year to start off, and we'll get into that a little bit with their game. But we're going to talk about the Buccaneers and the Rams first. Looking at this game, kind of just a couple of takeaways. Obviously, give you the final score real quick, 34-24, Rams – I don't know if any. I mean, I know the Rams were undefeated as well, but Super Bowl champs. Everyone thought they would end up winning. This was the. This was they had a ten game regular season regular season streak plus playoff streak going on of ten games that they had won in a row. So this was snapped in this game, and just some takeaways from this game. Looking at what happened with Tampa Bay, their their running game was just it just wasn't there. I mean, I know it was kind of crazy. They traded Sony Michelle over the off season, the you know former Georgia running back. They traded him from. There, he ended up, ended up at the Rams this offseason, and he was the one that did a lot of damage to him with 67 yards rushing and was able to get some first downs when they needed it. So that was kind of hilarious to see. But they just, I mean, they did, couldn't get anything going on, the, going on the ground. They had 35 yards total, and Tom Brady had 14 of those. So if Tom Brady's almost leading you in rushing in a game, you're probably not going to be doing too well. I mean, on the other side, they were able to get almost 450 yards passing with Brady. So... I mean, that's just what, you know, that's not a surprise with Brady. That's just what you've come to expect from him when the way he's played throughout his career. So, uh, other than that, though, you look at, the, I mean, you don't have a running game, so it's you're easier to defend. But, I mean, they still get, got 400-something yards. But the Rams were just able to to score when they need to. Matthew Stafford has been been big for them this year. He was 27-38 to 38 and was just able to carve up 
Tampa Bay's defense able to get what they want, and obviously they won by 10, so they had control for the most part. I mean, they were at 14-7 at halftime, so the Rams have definitely looked the part this year. They're 3-0, and and they're looking to continue to get better, but like I've said it last last week when we discussed results from the NFL and just last week, but we're talking another week under our belts and not much has changed when it comes to defense. We're seeing a lot of these teams still giving up lots of points. We're in the 30s, and that's what I was talking about. Whichever teams can start keeping, you know, teams in the 20s and in the teens, you got real, you know, you obviously got a good shot of winning. So for the Rams, that's exactly what they did. They kept Tampa Bay's, you know, championship offense to 24 points so you do that anytime you're on the field you got a shot to win so if you're the Rams you like how this game went for you and you just got to continue to prove on it defense has got to continue to improve offense is like I said already looking good so for them it's just a continual process to continue to prove keep, keep trying to win games each and every week but Tampa Bay this is I think kind of a wake-up call for them because um, like I said already you've got to have better rushing yards you got to be able to find a balance and I know the NFL is trended to more of a passing attack which was kind of unexpected considering how run-heavy the NFL had been up to that point over the last couple of years. But with that trend, though, you still got to be able to find some type of balance. You can't be having to throw it every play. I mean, Brady threw the ball, let's see, 55 times. So he was 41 at 55, which is fantastic. But 55, you shouldn't be having your 40-plus-year-old 40 quarterback throwing the ball 55 times. And I know he's the GOAT, and we can go over all that. But anytime you have your quarterback throwing 50 times, you're, you're not going to be set up for success. So for Tampa Bay, that's the stuff, kind of stuff you got to go over. But for now, like I said, 34-24, Rams take the victory. Definitely look good in that one. And they're going to continue to improve and continue to try to roll. So the second game up, going to go through it real quick. The, the Chargers and the Chiefs. And... This one, the Chargers were able just to get a late-game score from a touchdown pass from Justin Herbert. And i got to say something about Justin Herbert. I know he was good at Oregon when he was in college, but I don't think anyone fully expected him to translate this well into the NFL. Maybe some did. I personally didn't. He was kind of – I know a lot of people said he was consistent at Oregon, but he had a good career. But there's just sometimes when he faced high-level competition, he kind of just shirked back from it. And you just, I just didn't think there was he was going to be this good. But, I mean, he was right up there competing with Mahomes. He kept – this is the big deal in this game. The Chiefs had four turnovers, and Justin Herbert didn't even throw a single interception. Uh, Mahomes had two interceptions. So, that's a big storyline for this game. And, once again, talking about defense, this is the third game in a row. So, three games already. Uh, Kansas City's now one and two. And they've given up 30-plus points in every single game. And – Kansas City has the offense to be able to compete with teams that score 30-plus points. But what's going to happen is you're going to find these teams that are going to be able to turn you over. You're going to have off days, and it's going to cost you. And right now it's really costing Kansas City where they've lost back-to-back games. So they lost to the Ravens last week 36-35, and they lost this week 30-24. to So just continue to give up, give up lots of yards of offense. And, I mean, they're just making opposing teams' offenses look great. So right now, if you want to have strong numbers, you're you're looking at, you know, and having a good shot of winning, you're looking at trying to play Kansas City right now. And I'm, I'm really trying to see what – I mean, it's just a lack of execution, a lack of, I mean, just coverage in general. But they're, they got to be better if they're going to have a shot this year because the offense is obviously there, but defense has got to step up. And this is for just about every team in the league. I mean, I keep going through scores, keep watching games, and it just seems like we're in the third. 30s for almost every single game we play at this point. And just whichever team can finally keep te- teams, like I said, in the 20s and the teens, just like the Chargers did in this one, they got a shot. 
And if you're the Chargers, you really like how you're playing right now. Defense looked good. You, you're getting back uh, Joey Boza, so you're getting your better defender back. Your quarterback's performing at a high level, and he's taking care of the ball. So if you're the Chargers, you really like where you're at right now, just beating Kansas City. So for the Chargers, got to keep doing what they're doing. Got to continue to improve. But Kansas City, their defense has got to be way better if they're going to compete for a Super Bowl this year. Because if not, I just I don't. If if this is the way it keeps up, I'll be surprised if they can win more than ten games this year. And at that rate, you know what's going to happen. You're going to end up possibly in a, you know, one of the earlier games. You're not going to have home field advantage, and you have to go play, and you'll be out of the playoffs really quick if you even make it at that point. So. If you can win 10 games, because this defense just really doesn't give anybody, including myself, the confidence to go and win 10 games. I know a lot of people are freaking out right now, and they should, because this is a when you're giving up 30 plus points like this three straight weeks to start the year, and it just doesn't even look like they're really trying to make too many adjustments. Uh, it it just doesn't give you any confidence that this is going to turn around anytime soon. And it's not like they don't have the players, but I. I I don't know. It's just it's just very hard to see why they haven't been able to turn this around yet. But if they do not do it quick, they're going to be in for a long season that they do not want to have and just wasting one of the prime years of Mahomes' career. So, anyways, moving on from that game, that game was 30-24, to 24, Chargers. So, that's it for the NFL. We'll have more scores for you, for you next week. If any news happens, obviously we'll talk about it later on in the week. But we're going to move over real quick to the – college football weekend that we had we had five total upsets over the weekend in the top 25 so had some big matchups and we had well we had two big matchups that a lot of people knew was going to be close and had you know ramifications how the season was going to play out for the college football playoff and you know conferences and stuff like that so it turned out though that five had really big impacts and had just a lot of shakeup when it came to the top twenty-five and even in the the top five had some shakeups this year. I mean, this week when it came out, when the rankings came out today or yesterday in the AP top twenty-five. So, uh, first game we're going to talk about, we're going to look at this Notre Dame and Wisconsin game, looking at what happened there. So, starting out this game, it stayed close for the most part. We all know that. Notre Dame had Jack Cohn, who was coming over from Wisconsin, who transferred over during the offseason, who a lot of people thought was going to be good for them, but I don't think anyone thought he was going to be as good as he has played this year. So in this game, a lot of people were really worried when Cohn went down with an injury. A lot of people thought Notre Dame was going to end up losing because at that point it was later in the game. It was still tight because this game was pretty much neck and neck most of the way until it got to the to the. I'd say about just the top of the fourth quarter, and Notre Dame kind of blew it wide open. And they did a real good job of this game. Of I mean, their defense was impressive to me. You held I know Wisconsin doesn't have the greatest offense, but at the same time, though, you held them to 13 points, and you had four interceptions, so your defense obviously did something right. So their defense I was impressed with. It looked better. It was improvement that you needed to see. Now, on the offensive side, you got questions, though, because you're sitting here and Cone's injured. You got Drew Pine that had to step in, and he played well for the most part, and during the limited time that we saw him. But here's the problem with Notre Dame now: you're you had Drew Pine step in, you got Cone who's hurt. You're wondering if he's going to be ready for next week. Got a big time matchup against Cincinnati. That's going to be a like like I said, I just said in our preview and predictions podcast episode that we had, I said that this was a make or break game for Notre Dame because, like I said, they don't have a conference championship to help them when it gets into the later weeks. So if you have one loss, it's almost like that's a deal breaker for you when it comes to the college football playoff later in the year. 
So next week, same idea. You got another make or break game against Cincinnati, and we'll get more into next week's games in our preview and predictions later this well this coming Saturday. But for Notre Dame, you got a you got a lot of problems now. So you got Drew Pine, and then also you look at how bad your your rush offense was in this game, and you're, it kind of worries you just how how bad it was because you have 32 attempts rushing and you only get nine yards. And that's just not going to cut it against a team like Cincinnati later on. So you got a lot of questions right there for Notre Dame, even though they blew out Wisconsin. Well, blew out once you got to the fourth quarter. But you got a lot of questions there because you got a lot ahead of you that you still have to, you know, you still have to do. And even if you do get past Cincinnati, you still got a lot of season left because there's just a lot that can happen. And we're seeing that in some of these other games that a lot of these teams this year that are favored, we're seeing them ended up blowing some games down the down the road or just games that, you know, a lot of people didn't expect to slip up on. And that's college football. We know that happens every year. But this year it kind of just seems like everything's up in the air ex- outside of the, I would say, top two in the rankings with Alabama and Georgia. So outside of them, it's kind of just like a hit or miss, you know, if you, you know which team's going to show up, which team's going to play well. And thankfully for Notre Dame, they stepped up when they had to in that fourth quarter against Wisconsin. So Wisconsin, they sit at one and two. They did not look impressive. Mertz, Graham Mertz did not look good in that through the Four interceptions only had 230 something yards passing so it was for them I there are obviously this was a make or break game for them after their Penn their Penn State loss they had the of week one so for them this kind of knocks them out of playoff contention kind of knocks them back out of the Big Ten contention I think so this is probably going to be a retooling year for them and I know for a fact they're probably not too happy with themselves that they let Jack Cohn get away during this offseason after they decided to start Graham Mertz after week one last year. So for them, like I said, retooling year, they're going to have to get better. They're going to have to figure some stuff out. But for Notre Dame, they survived. They advanced to another week against another top or another top team in Cincinnati who had a bye week. So like I said, we'll get more into that game once we – once we get to our previews and predictions this Saturday, we'll go over that, break it down for you. It's going to be one of our top games of the week that we'll go over, including some of the other big-name matchups. But anyways, moving on, looking at next game up, we got Clemson and – number nine, Clemson and NC State. Clemson was number nine. So as you can tell and as you probably already heard, Clemson dropped this game 27-21 to in double overtime, which was – I said it in the preview predictions. That's why it's important to go back and listen. I mean, not go back, but listen to our preview prediction because I like to pull a lot of what I said from there just to give you an idea of you know what I already thought was going to happen. And this is exactly the type of game that I thought was possible for Clemson. Their offense just couldn't get off the ground, and that's what I was worried about happening where you finally have just one of those games where I know they were struggling all the first couple of games of the year but it finally just hit that point where the offense just could not go at all and could not do what they needed to. And, I mean, you can see that all just going down through the stats, looking at what happened. And you had D.J. Uangale still only – he only threw for 111 yards. He had two touchdowns and an interception. And rushing yards, he was their top rusher with nine carries for 63 yards. Their uh, Will Shipley, their running back, only had 11 carries for 36 yards. And you're sitting here looking at that, and that's just like I said when you looked at this. I know it's NFL versus college football, but same idea. You can't be having your running back, I mean your quarterback, being your top rusher and expect to have success. It doesn't matter what game you're in. And in college football, it's even more dire because if your quarterback is your top rusher in a game 
like this where your offense is already struggling against a team that's obviously decent and you're playing and they have home foot advantage, you're you're in trouble. And so it finally just all caught up to Clemson. It finally got to him. NC State got it into double overtime. Well, Clemson really got it into double overtime. Clemson really got lucky there at the end where NC State missed a field goal with the la- with the the clock running out. And so Clemson really couldn't could have just had, only had 14 points in this game and lost 17 to 14, so it could have been even worse than what it looked like. But they got it into double overtime. They both scored and they obviously went to double overtime and they went four and out and could not just could not get any traction again on offense. And so for Clemson, you're sitting here now at two and two, and you just lost to the team that everyone said was going to be your challenger in that Atlantic side of the ACC. So you're already down 0-1 in the conference. So now you're sitting here wondering, after watching this game, how does, one, Clemson recover, and how do they even win the ACC at this point? Because it looks really really bad at this point and the whole ACC as a whole looks really bad you had North Carolina drop a game to Georgia Tech and just your best teams are that you expected to compete this year just do not have the ability to beat to win games that they should so now you got NC State who looks like they have possible contention to win you know the ACC and you got Wake Forest so you got a couple of these teams that can now step up and have an opportunity for that but if you're Clemson you're you started off number three in the nation everybody thought your offense was going to be good even after replacing guys like Trevor Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and now you're two and two you're just scraping the back end of the top 25 and that's probably just off a namesake at this point and they have a good defense and it we thought was a really good defense, but this game they just got carved up. They gave up over almost four five hundred yards total offense, and they had the ball just run all over them the whole game. And the quarterback did a real good job of being efficient. He was thirty two of forty five, so or thirty two of forty four. So they were just real efficient. They took care of the ball. They didn't turn it over. Clemson turned it over a couple times. And when you do that on the road, it's just a it's just a nightmare scenario, and you hit that snag like I, like I said, I was worried about with them happening, and it cost you. So now you're two and two. You do not at this point have a shot of the college football playoff because you're not good enough. You're you've already had those two losses. You could get away possibly getting into the playoff with having that one loss to Georgia, who obviously is very good. But now you you have two losses and ones to NC State and you may not even win your conference. So Clemson's out of playoff contention. Dabo Sweeney's got to figure out what he wants to do there. The offensive line there is terrible. They weren't. They gave up eight sacks to Georgia, and they just continue to get no movement. So that's part of the reason why the rushing game is so bad. But like I said, you can't win if your rushing game isn't there to help your quarterback at least. So that's part of the problem with DJ Ungle. I think he's going to be fine probably next year once the offensive line gets better, and maybe the end of this year. But I, I – I wondered about the the hype that was given to Clemson at the beginning of the year. And, yeah, I thought that would be good, but that's why I also had favored Georgia beating them in that first game because I just didn't think their offense was going to be as good as everyone talked about. And now they're just not even as good as anyone possibly thought they, they were going to be. So For Clemson, this was a, a terrible game for them. really knocks their season off, of course, and they just have to – just get better this year because the only thing you can really play for at this point is the ACC. So, and that you lose another one, you're really in trouble for that aspect. So, 
that was 27-21 NC State. They looked good, though, and they got a shot at possibly controlling that Atlantic side of the conference and possibly getting to the championship game if they can continue to win. So moving on from there, biggest game of the week. I thought biggest game that sets up a lot of matchups this week, or another matchup this week that is going to be very, very important is this Texas A&M and Arkansas game that happened. You had number 16 Arkansas versus number 7 Texas A&M, and it was just like we all thought it would be for the most part. We thought this game would be very defensive-oriented, would kind of be low-scoring because both teams are very physical, had good defenses. But what it came down to was exactly what I thought it was going to. came down to big plays and what teams could convert when they got the opportunity, and that was Arkansas. They had a couple big plays to start the game, uh, KJ Jefferson played great. He, well, from the start of the game, he played great, and then he got injured later on in the game. And now a lot of people are wondering how he's going to be for next week. But they were able to continually run the ball. A lot of people didn't think they were going to be able to run against this Texas A&M front. They put up 200 yards on Texas A&M, and the Texas A&M defense was just eaten up in a game that that you thought they would at least be able to hold Arkansas to a little bit lower of a, a rush total and maybe keep them at bay and give their offense a chance to to I guess make up for that when it when it got when it came around and gave them opportunities but that wasn't the case Arkansas was able to get some points was able to end up winning this game 20 to 10 and Arkansas they just look really good they're very physical they're very sound the defense does a real good job of tackling they don't miss very many tackles at all and they keep everything in front of them and that's what you want to do and just you can't say enough about the job that Sam Pittman's done there in just a short amount of time he's been there and just transforming this whole team I mean they only won I think three games last year and this year they're 4-0 and and ranked number eight now in the polls so for them this is a huge turnaround and you just you just wonder how long it can go because their schedule is an absolute monster when you look at who they got coming up you got number two Georgia next week you got Alabama coming up very soon they still have to play Ole Miss. So, I mean, you just got a lot, a lot of teams that they have to play. And it's going to be very tough to continue to keep this up. But right now, the way they're going, the way they're laying that groundwork, they're giving themselves the opportunity to do that and to be able to compete possibly for the SEC West. And right now, I think they look like the number two team in the SEC West outside of possibly Ole Miss. And we'll see how Ole Miss looks. I just had, I'm, We've seen Ole Miss play, and we know they can put up points. I'm interested to see how they look against Bama this week and see if they're going to be able to run the table outside of outside of just Bama if they do lose to Bama. But that game, like I said, I'll talk about that one when we get to the preview and prediction, but I definitely think Ole Miss has got a shot in that one. But for Arkansas, with this game, you set yourself up for the rest of the year. You're 4-0. You're already gotten a win in the SEC. You move on now, and you're looking down the road. You're looking at next week against Georgia. So, this was a huge win for them. It continues to move their program up. They're up to number eight. Texas A&M fell, fell back into the teens. And for them, their their problem is exactly what I thought it was. It came down to their offense not being able to produce enough. That quarterback situation having to go with the down the list because their starter broke his leg or broke part of his lower leg earlier in the year. He's just he's not at the level they need to be to be able to compete against top teams and this is a rough year for them considering that a lot of people thought this possibly could be Jimbo Fisher's best team and be able to maybe challenge Alabama in the west but I, me personally I never saw it I never understood why the hype was there after especially after they lost Kellen Mond last year and just lost a lot of play a couple of playmakers that I thought they that were very important to the dynamic of that offense and to that just how they play overall. The defense is good, but obviously defenses do have breaking points, and sometimes you have to have 
you have to have it where your offense steps up to make up for that difference, and they just didn't have it. So Arkansas was able to get a couple of explosive plays, and that really just made the difference in this game. And like I said, sets up Arkansas at number eight to have a monster game that is going on in the SEC against Georgia this week at Georgia at noon. So that's going to be a big matchup. But for that, they moved up to eight. The shakeup in the college football AP poll, looking at it, Oklahoma dropped. Oklahoma obviously continues to struggle. They struggled against West Virginia and barely won. They didn't even lead a single second in that game until they kicked the game-winning field goal at the very end when the closing seconds. Basically, when the clock hit zero, that's when they led. So Oklahoma dropped dropped down. You had Penn State move up. You had Iowa State where they were at. Oregon State at three. Georgia at two. Alabama at one. So you got to. This year's been kind of different. Usually, you don't see too many teams move if they win even though they didn't look great but this year you've seen the AP they've been really they've been really moving teams based on just performance this year which is what I like to see because there's no reason to leave Oklahoma sitting at three when they haven't even played possibly even like a top five team this year I don't think they look top five but so that was kind of the shakeup in that and then you know you have Arkansas at eight so had a lot of movement this week had a couple of other upsets had North Carolina fall to Georgia Tech had Kansas State fall to Oklahoma State you had uh just a couple of just a couple of games that like I said that just happening this year that didn't happen as much over the last couple of years where you just had with this thing this is the second weekend now where we had more than five top 25 upsets so this year outside of that top two down it's just anything can happen at this point but that top two looks very set on what's going to happen this year between Georgia and Alabama and obviously there's still a ton of football injuries can happen upsets can still happen it's still football All it takes is one or two plays to change the dynamic of a game but that top two really looks like they're set and what they're going to do and how they look and I think it's just that there's a huge gap in between two and three and I mean between two and three and then down from there so going to be interesting though outside of that so we've got some big matchups later this week we'll have that all in our preview our week five preview and prediction show we'll also have our preview and prediction article that'll come out if you don't want to read i mean don't want to listen to that one but we hope you do listen but for now that's what we're talking about in sports for moving on from there we got some politics we're going to talk about a lot of stuff going on in there with this one, I'm going to start out talking about what's been going on at the border. We discussed it a little bit in the last couple of podcasts, just what's been happening and how they keep trying to change the narrative of it because they don't want people to know about their failures and just how much is going on. Talked about how there's been thousands and thousands, couple. I think they said at this point a couple of hundred thousand that has that has been released into the U.S. at this point. And it just keeps continuing. They had that overpass where they were storing migrants because they didn't have any place for them. And they said they released them, and that was another 17, 12 to 17,000 that they released. And then here's the big controversy that's been going on now when it comes to when it comes to this border crisis that's been going on. The, the thing that they're using now to do the what I like to call bait and switch, where they show you show you what they want you to see, and then they switch the narrative so that way it doesn't make them look as bad, and it takes the takes the topic away from their failure. And that's exactly what's happening with this. Biden is now saying, well, just the whole Biden administration as a whole is talking about these these border patrol agents that were using horses to run down migrants and be able to capture them that are trying to cross over the border and get into the u.s mainland and they're going after them on horses well there's a picture that's out that looks like there is a what they're saying is a whip it looks like just a leather strap and it's nothing but more than a double double reins for on the horse horseback that they're on and 
the Biden administration is now saying that the Border Patrol agents are they they're not they didn't necessarily go as far as saying they were whipping the migrants, but they're saying it looks like they're whipping the migrants, and it's just as bad as slavery. That's what some of them have actually said. They said it's as bad as slavery. It gives a terrible look, and that's all they're worried about. They're more worried about a look from a picture that doesn't even really look like what they said it was than actually worried about the thousands and thousands that can pour, that continue to pour over, that continue to take away opportunities from American citizens, that continue to bring in all these different COVID variants, continue to bring in all these different types of diseases and drugs across the border. And that's what his concern is, is how a picture looked of a migrant, I mean, not of a, of a uh, border patrol agent doing his job. But obviously that's been consistent with how this administration worries about stuff it goes down to to race and how things look and how they can change the narrative to benefit themselves and obviously it's i mean this is just what they're going to continue to do because their whole ever since he's been in office for the full eight months now that he's been there it's just been a total failure each and every everything they've done and so this is just a, a way of trying to pinpoint the blame on somebody else so now they're saying that they're looking into disciplining the border patrol agents and now greg abbott has said that he will happily hire these border patrol agents if they decide to leave so that they can use them for texas because these border patrol agents they're not doing anything wrong they're doing their job exactly what they're supposed to do it's a job that no one else would want having to deal with these people that are desperately trying to fight their way into our country and we know why they're coming if you go back and listen to my other podcasts they're coming because they want what america has to offer but at the same time though i have no problem with people wanting to come to america to get what america offers you just have to find a you just have to do it the right way do it legally come in get your you know apply for citizenship yes it sucks yes there's there is there are situations if you were in a terrible situation you can get protection you can get uh you can get certain statuses where you can have protection and you can be able to come over here and be protected during that time frame while you're waiting for your citizenship. But there's ways to do it instead of just trying to illegally cross over. But, of course, they're going to continue to come because this administration has basically opened the door for them to do it. And they're not looking at stopping anything. They keep saying they are. But if they were really trying to stop anything, they'd already have the – they'd already have – Mayorkas fired. They've already be. They would already be moving to do different stuff. At one point, they were talking of the border wall going back up, but obviously, that hasn't happened. And so now Texas is taking the reins when it comes to that, and they're getting ready to start constructing the border wall. That again, they've already met with contractors and gotten pricing done and all that. So they're moving that that direction. And Greg Abbott's having to pick up the slack from the Biden, Biden administration. So it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to progress and what is the next thing that they they make up to basically change the narrative from biden's failure at the border to you know how can they make it look like something else and you know not be their fault so obviously they'll do something because this is not going to stop anytime soon and their actions have proved that they have no intentions of slowing this down anytime soon but we'll continue to keep you updated on the border crisis as it develops there's going to be plenty more to come from that i'm sure they'll have something new by next week on what they're you know what else is wrong and oh here i got something else for you looking at this talking about the Biden administration, how they continue to flip flip the script on people trying to make it look like it's not their their fault. The press secretary, Jen Psaki, says the other day that they're tired of Republican speeches on the border crisis and are looking for solutions at this point. That has got to be the stupidest 
statement I've ever heard in my life because you literally had to do nothing when you walked in. You were given one of the most secure borders in American history, and you literally come in and drop every bit of security measures that we had and then wonder why it is the way it is. If you want solutions, go back to what it was before y'all even stepped foot in the White House. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. You were having only about 5,000 migrant encounters just last year. You're up to over 100,000 a month at this point. I mean, you're having 5,000 a month last year, but you're still having 100,000 a month. This That's a 95,000 you know, 95,000 migrant increase. And it's because they know they're going to let them in. It's, and it's all part of their idea because they're, they were already trying to wedge in this, this uh, citizenship for these migrants in their $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. And if they can do that, they know the majority of these migrants are going to vote for them because they gave them their citizenship. It's all about staying in power for them. They're going to continue to try to shift the narrative so they can continue to try to do what they want, get these migrants in, give them their citizenship, and then they'll stay in power. And they can continue to lie to your face, and they won't have anything to worry about at that point because they'll never get out of office. And that's what it's all about for them. You can say otherwise. I do not care. If you think it's otherwise, I mean, you're stupid because there's just nothing else that it could be. They're intentionally trying to do this. No one else could screw this up worse, I don't think, at all. Because they're, the only way you could screw it up this bad is if you were intentionally trying to do it. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. Obviously, they're not going to tell that to your face because this is what is called propaganda. It's where they show you one thing, even though it's the direct opposite of what's really happening. And they try to make it. They try to frame it where they look good. They look like they're trying to be the humanitarians and this, and trying to help these people from these terrible situations. When in reality, they're not. It's just an open door because they want they want their votes eventually when they can try and get this citizenship for these citizens packaged into one of their deals. And obviously, that's hit some roadblocks and will continue to hit roadblocks. But it's going to be interesting to see due to the parliamentarian committee saying that that could not be shoved in an infrastructure bill if they still try to do that anyways because they had different people like Eon Omar saying that they should just go ahead and put that put that in even after the par- parliamentarian committee said that they shouldn't or they aren't even allowed to. Like it, it shouldn't go into a budget reconciliation. So like I said, we'll keep you updated with more as the – as the border crisis continues to unfold, because we know, like I said, more and more is going to happen with that. And so we'll keep you updated when it gets to that. But moving on from there, I'm going to talk about what's going on this week. This week is going to be busy on Capitol Hill, so we will have you updated Thursday on what is going on, because I'm sure we'll have some results by then at that point when the next podcast episode comes out. But looking at what's going on, they got a possible government shutdown going to happen on October 1st, and then they're going to try and take a vote on the $1 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed already in the Senate. The House is going to try to take a vote on it. They said it's possibly as early as Monday, but a lot of people are saying it's looking like Tuesday. So we'll have some results in between there, and we'll obviously have news for you on our websites where you can go on there. I mean, on our website where you can go look at that and our social media pages. That way you have something to keep you updated in between podcast episodes. And when we get to the podcast episode on Thursday, we'll break it down from there. But moving on from that, they're also trying to – while they're trying to avert this shutdown, the infrastructure bill that they're trying to pass is also tied, what they're saying is going to be tied to this $3.5 trillion uh, budget reconciliation deal. And so with that, they're meeting a lot of roadblock because right now there's a lot of people that, Republicans right now that are saying they're not in the House that are not even going to vote for this $1, million, this $1 trillion reconciliation bill, not reconciliation, the infrastructure bill because it's tied to the 3.5 trillion and 
Which makes sense, because why would you vote for one part of it if it's just going to usher in the other side of it? Why help out one side if they're not going to help you out and just continue to shove a socialist agenda down your throat, whether you like it or not? So, at that point, try to make them do it on their own so I get the idea behind it, and that's exactly the right route they should go. And I know the Senate already passed it, but that was basically before they really said that this was going to be tied. There was rumblings of it, but they said they were just going to move it standalone. But then, obviously, Pelosi tied it to it, and now McCarthy has said that it is tied to it, and that's the route that they are looking at it from, that it is not a standalone bill, but that it is a double-sided, that it is a that it is one process as a whole. That's the House side of things, so we'll keep you updated with that and what goes on with the voting from there, but on the other side, looking at the Senate and what's going on with there, they're trying to get this $3.5 trillion infrastructure package. They're trying to work out the, the details because they're having a problem with some of the moderate Democrats that are there in the Senate with Joe Manchin and Christian Sinema and what they want. And they've been a pain in Biden's backside since he's since he stepped foot in office with his, his agenda. They're definitely moderates. A lot of people say that Biden was a moderate when he campaigned, which we all knew that was crap if you really kept up with what he was campaigning on. But these were these are real moderates. Even though I don't agree with most of what they stand for, they still understand basic basic stuff that comes down to like finances and this budget reconciliation because they're saying that we do not have the ability to pay for this and do not have the ability to keep just printing money and printing money and then not expect inflation to rear its head later on down the line and we're already seeing some of that from the covid bill that they passed standalone earlier in the year by budget reconciliation but if they just add another 3.5 trillion you're looking at it being even worse and so Kristen cinema and joe manchin have said that they're looking for a smaller price tag that they're looking at about one trillion but obviously that is not sitting well with a lot of the the progressive democrats like bernie sanders because originally this is what's absolutely insane he wanted about 6.5 trillion a bill that was worth 6.5 trillion for this budget reconciliation for Biden's quote-unquote build back better agenda which if you have done any research on the build back better agenda and what that actually stands for it's basically what most global leaders around the world like you I mean you go from England France any of these places that have used it these what I call globalists that are trying to team up it's the agenda that they've used in their place where basically they try to turn you into a socialist slash communist area so same idea and this is what this whole bill is it's basically just socialism rolled into one it's got all of the climate stuff and how they try to you know want to redesign buildings and they want to do all this crap that they say is in the name of uh of infrastructure and other aspects is that and they want to expand medicare that has nothing to do with infrastructure this is their whole socialist agenda rolled into one if they can actually get it passed they they can basically institute socialism into america and so that's why I mean, they can ram this through anytime they want because they got the 50 votes they need and they got the reconciliation. I mean, if they have the 50 votes, they have the reconciliation process, they can use it anytime. The problem is it's just these two people that are not going for it because they say as soon as they pass this, we know that inflation is going to come through. And that's obviously – inflation doesn't affect the rich. It affects the it affects the people that don't have as much money. The middle class is essentially is affected. At that point, you'll have two classes. You'll have the lower class and you'll have the elites. Basically, what is what they're trying to do with this with this stuff? They'll continue to give us government handouts, get you attached to the government where you're dependent on the government. The elites will be the elites. We'll be the ones that are dependent on the government for everything. That's their whole idea behind this. That is what socialism is. That is what communism is, where you depend on the government for everything. 
And there's just so many. You can go and find the bill yourself. I'm not going to break it down piece by piece, but there's just so many things that are inside of this bill that is absolutely crazy that they would even try to institute it in. And but we say crazy, but we know these people. This is what he's ran on. His whole idea of what he ran on. He literally told us. But the same people that voted for him, they're getting. Some of them are actually upset about this bill and what it entails and what they want to actually do. But he literally ran on it, telling you what he was going to do. But they still voted for him anyways. So this is on every single person that voted for this type of stuff. Anything that has gone wrong from the border to Afghanistan, everything, it is on you if you voted for Biden. It is completely on you. You take the blame. The rest of us take none of the blame for this because we knew exactly what he was going to do. So like I said, this is socialism rolled into one, and they're looking at $3.5 trillion. I don't think they're going to get it because I don't think cinema and <clears throat> – mansion are going to roll with it they might get one trillion because they're definitely going to have to come down on it but one trillion versus 3.5 trillion is a big difference it's a lot less that they can do with that type of money so the reason like i said christian cinema and mansion they're both worried about the inflation that comes with it so they are definitely looking down the road when it comes to that so that's good that we at least have two moderates that are at least and there may be more but we haven't really we haven't got into any voting we haven't gotten any to any of that point when it comes to of the reconciliation part of it so they're looking at trying to still take votes on this this week this is why this is a huge week we'll probably know the majority of how this week is going to fare out by obviously we will know by september 30th because we do have the government shutdown that is that is looking at happening and that would happen october 1st because funding will run out september the 30th at midnight so if looking at that the whole basis what that's going off of obviously we have these two sides that Republicans and Democrats want to decide what funding goes to what and all that. But the funny part of it, they're attaching this debt ceiling to the spending bills as well. They're trying to basically bait the Republicans into voting along with the with the spending bills as well. Kind of just, like I said, they kind of just throw stuff out there and try to get them to go for it. But because the debt limit is also a part of this and what's what's going on with that is the debt ceiling, if we don't if we don't raise it, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pay our bills eventually. But we will not be able to pay them at this point, and we'll be in a hole. A lot of stuff will be shut down. The government the will not be able to pay bills. They're talking about Social Security not being able to send out checks, stuff of that nature. So the whole point of that, though, they're trying to get Republicans to do that because they and they say it has to be bipartisan. But even though they could go it alone as long as they got the fifty votes, so they're having a problem getting that. But the whole reason they want to try to do this bipartisan for two reasons: that one, it makes it easier; but two. If you go bipartisan, they know exactly what's going to happen. Say the Republicans vote to raise the debt ceiling so they can pass these bills. They end up passing these bills. Inflation spikes high, and everyone blames the Democrats when they have less money, and they still don't get hardly nothing from what they say is going to be these government handouts. They're all going to go to their their socialist stuff, that agenda stuff that they want. And the people will still get the short end of the stick. And so when the Democrats get the blowback from it, they can turn around and not take all the blame. They'll be able to. Bl- and the Republicans will have to take some of the blame. But if the Republicans stand strong on this, like McConnell, Mitch McConnell says they're going to, the Republicans can use this as a. They can use this as something to run against next year in the twenty two elect the twenty twenty two election against the Democrats. They can use this as something to to campaign against them as saying that the Democrats are obviously do not care about your money and how they spend it and how they continue to cause you to have to pay more for different items due to inflation. So that's what's going on this week. A lot of information. I know 
almost went the full 45 minutes today. But other than that, that's all I got. We'll uh, we'll be back Thursday with with our next episode, and we'll have more on all this this whole process is what's going on at Capitol Hill. We'll have some more sports for you. Go over some different different stuff going on, different news. But if you want any more information, if you want more articles, you just want to keep up with what's going on, go to our website at therevolutionsports.com, and you can follow all our social media pages from there to keep you updated on all breaking news and any big stories that happen. So if you want to know about what's going on at Capitol Hill this week, that's the place to go, the place to look. Make sure you follow us. But other than that, thank you for joining us today, and we hope you have a good week.